Everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Before we get started, I just wanted to thank everybody who listened to the episode on Beastars Season 2. If you haven't, go check that out in the feed right now. Um, but today I wanted to talk about adaptations. And the reason why I wanted to talk about adaptations was because I was struck by the idea that there was, when I went to go see um, Josie the Tiger and the Fish um, in theaters, which if you haven't listened to my episode on that, you can you should definitely go check that out. I kind of love that movie. But on the subject of adaptations, I noticed that a year before, the, the year before Josie's The Tiger and the Fish was released, a live-action version of it was released. And if you ever, you know, hung out on ANN for just a little too long, you'll usually notice that when um, a property gets adapted, especially from a manga, it's almost like it's getting adapted all at the same time for live action and anime and animation. And the reason for that is because they aim at different audiences. And that's the, that's the biggest reason to do different adaptations because unfortunately for the most part, especially critics. And I, um, I wrote an article on medium about um, anime and anime's problem with Hollywood awards and especially the Oscars and like why like more animes don't win Emmys more why more animes don't win Oscars and it all boils down to the fact that just like people don't watch that stuff in the in the American awards crowd so. Whereas Josie's, let's use Josie Tiger and the Fish as a perfect example, and then I'll use a different example um, for a different reason after that. Um, with, say, a fair amount of the Oscar crowd would not have seen Josie's Tiger and the Fish. They just wouldn't have seen it. Flat out. Funimation could do everything in their power, they can send a screener to everybody in the Academy, and what will probably happen is most people in the Academy will throw it, will put all the, all the screeners together, give them to their kids, and say, figure out which is the best animated movie, and the kids will pick Pixar, because that's the, that's the style of animation they're used to seeing. And that's the animation that feels the best. And especially if you have to watch a subtitled movie, chances drop that they might even watch it. So what making a live-action version of that movie does, especially considering there's nothing really prohibitive from making it, it's not like a super effects-heavy film, that creates a foreign language category movie that they can go then go 
the a different production company, one who maybe has more sway with you know the academy, can then send screeners to, and because it's a live action movie or live action film, they will watch it, and they will see inherent value in it because it's not cartoons for kids. So that's that's one very real thing that happens in terms of like why you make a live action adaptation, why you produce it alongside the animation. Um, and also uh, adaptations, the more adaptations you have of something, the longer the life of something gets stretched out. If that makes any sense. What I mean by this is, um, the, let's take full metal alchemist, full metal alchemist, perfect example of this actually. Full Metal Alchemist had the original manga, and then it got adapted into an anime the first time in the 2004 straight-up Full Metal Alchemist. And then the second anime that was produced, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, was, I forget how many years later it was, I think it was like in 2010. Um, But that... That extended the life of that of that fandom of that property of like all that merchandise forward through twenty twelve or something. So it, it gave it a more solid footing for the second half of the of the early aughts, so to speak. And then at some point, Netflix made a live action movie, and that movie was terrible, but. What it also was, was it was an adaptation that gave Full Metal Alchemist another thing to have on screen. And that property has been, like, told to an end about three times. Four if you count the end of the movie, but you shouldn't. So it's not like it's... Not like it's necessarily doing anything new, it's just getting new treatments constantly. And that's another that's another reason why people do different adaptations, why creatively you do different adaptations, because you want a second shot at you want a second bite at the apple, so to speak. You want to be able to like change something or improve on something. And the last and the last reason I would say you want to do um, an adaptation is exposure of a property. So I'm reading, I just um, caught up on um, Kaiju number eight, which is, I'm gonna, which I'm not going to talk about the plot of Kaiju number eight here. I'm actually probably going to do a manga minute at some point on it. But it's a really, it's a really good manga. And um, last time I and just as a general, just happenstance, I tend to read manga somehow around two years before they get produced as anime. And I'm not a huge manga reader. I usually only have time to read manga. I usually only have brain space to read manga when I have um, a when I have when I have when I have what when I'm like in time off basically and 
what what that means is there's tons of stuff that like you know that I haven't read that people see anime for and they're like super jazz and everybody always says you should go read the manga it's better but that's not really the point of the adaptation into an anime the point of adaptation into to an anime is to make a and I've talked about this kind of entertainment difference before is to take something that is a form of active entertainment like playing video games or reading comic books and turn it into a form of passive entertainment like watching a movie or a TV show or listening or listening to a podcast active entertainment is requires more lift it requires it requires the like your audience's whole time on some level passive entertainment for the most part can you can just you can sit down and you can watch something and do something else or you can listen to something and do something else and there's value to both but telling someone hey go watch go read the manga it's actually probably a bigger leap than you imagine it is so if you have a really good story like if you have a really engaging and fun story like kaiju number eight or even like um fire force is another great example i want i read fire force in italy like a full year and a half before it was announced <laughs> i read i read up to the um I read up to when they go into the when they go under when they go into the tunnels and then I I dropped off and I actually totally forgot about it until somebody announced it. I was like, Oh, Fire Force is pretty good. Yeah, they should they should make that into an anime, yo. That's the thing they should do. But telling someone to dive dive into the manga a, it's a different kind of time. It's a different kind of time investment. B, it's a different kind of monetary investment because I'm not saying you have to be like me and pay for every streaming service. Kind of there is, but I. But usually, if you're going to be watching anime, you subscribe to either Funimation or Crunchyroll or both. And everything just kind of comes out in those two lanes. Now, granted, not everything, everything. If you want something from um, Noitamina, you're going to have to, you know, go down the Amazon Prime route. If you want something from that's only on a certain service, you're going to have to pay for on Netflix. You have to pay for Netflix. But in terms of an, in terms of anime... It's either with a ton of other anime content or it's with a ton of other content, period. Like, when you sign up for Netflix, you're not just getting Be the Beginning. You're getting all the stuff on Netflix alongside it. And the... Reason why you would make an an anime adaptation is because you're lowering the bar for somebody to see 
this person's work or what have you, or or a or the plot of a video game, or um, the plot of a light novel. And every time you lower the bar, you give that work more life, and you bring people, and you expose more people to that work. So next time you start to think, oh, you know, you really love this anime, you should read the manga. Remember that it's not. The point was for it to be produced, they don't really have to. And yes, there's adaptations that are way different than the books or blah, 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 blah. That will always be a problem. But the thing you really want to be concerned with is if the core of whatever has been adapted has been carried over into that adaptation. You know, the... um. Not everything about the Harry Potter movies is, like, sacrosanct in the way that the books are. But the core of that thing, of that story, is held onto in every adaptation of it. Including the weird, super huge issues they have in um, Harry Potter, like, the fucking... The fucking Jewish stereotypes that run the banks. God damn it. Um, but, and like I said, that's a, that's, a, that's a not uncommon reason that you want to do an adaptation of something is you want to smooth stuff out from the previous creator. So, um, it, Lovecraft, that show on eight, that horror show on HBO, Lovecraft Country, is a adaptation and recontextualization of Lovecraft starring people of color. And if you know anything about Lovecraft, a lot of his eldritch horror was just black people. <laughs> and that's not cool. So it's... It's worth it to go to to for things to make multiple adaptations, and that's why lots of anime properties have multiple prongs because they're trying to expose the maximum amount of people to the property. And that's yes, that is really like a capitalist bend and a capitalistic goal bait bent on making money. But it's also, you know, exposes the most people to a property, which is a good thing. It exposes the most people to that, to that, what that property has to offer. Um, uh, the last example I'll use is um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I did an episode on Gundam Hathaway that you can go listen to in the feed right now. But Gundam Hathaway was produced and delayed and delayed and delayed and finally released on Netflix. Um, that's an adaptation of a novel that um, what's his face director of Gundam um, Tomino did. I think in like the late nineties. So they took felt like a thing and adapted it for now. 
that was from like mid to late nineties era. That's a that's a gives that particular piece of Gundam a huge leap forward. And they're they're doing it, I think at, they're doing it as a trio of movies ultimately, which is a big deal. And like that thing is dripping with fucking money. And that's, you know, say what you will about, like, the monetary end of it and, like, sucking every penny out of your wallet, but just the sheer creative opportunity for um, what you can do with with new adaptations of things is is incredible. The last thing I'll end on is um, there are not... There are not many good points about the live-action Ghost in the Shell. But the production materials for that thing, the graphic design alone that went into that film, is breathtaking. (laughs) The, like, effects work is incredible. All the, like, pieces of production, the music is really good and, like, ethereal and cyberpunky in a way that stuff usually doesn't get to be cyberpunky. Um, especially on such a big budget, unless it's goddamn Blade, unless it's goddamn Blade Runner. And the, the, the end product is a fucking live-action goddamn clip show that sucks. And is whitewashy and weirdly racist. Um, but, and, like, yes, I get that they had to cast her, but they still, they wrote a different actress into being Matoko, who was, her body was just in a grave, unmarked, fucking goddammit, whatever. But, um, the, Sometimes the act of just doing the adaptation, the, like, stuff that's produced, the ephemera that's produced as a result of that, is worth the time. And on that note, if you like this episode, you can get new episodes every Sunday and Thursday by subscribing to this podcast and whatever app you're using to listen to it right now. And... Like I said, new episodes come out every third day and Sunday. Third day is more of a, like, review and soft and me talking about a property, either a movie or a TV show. And Sundays are more metatextual. And every once in a while, I do little extras like um, the manga minute, which is I restrict myself to a minute. And I... Summarize the manga. Um, that's a fun little thing I do every once in a while. But until one of those things happens, my name has been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>